welcome to the Unapologetic Connections podcast. We are spicing things up, having no podcast hosts, no scripts, and bearing it all completely unedited. We are a group of entrepreneurial women who believe in true, deep, unapologetic stories. Because life isn't always Instagram worthy. Life is messy, unpredictable, and can rock you to the core. It's time to unmask and show all aspects of ourselves unapologetically. Let's come together, rock this thing called life, and support the heck out of each other. Because ain't nobody got time for the mask of judgment. Get ready to connect, share, and feel the unedited love of unapologetic connections. Welcome back, Connections. My name is Kathy Buchanan, and I am one of the unapologetic speakers represented by the Unapologetic Connections Agency. I am proud to be introducing this week's topic, brought to you by Nude Vodka Soda. This week's topic is how to conquer the ego. And I'm going to pass it straight over to Linda Simpson, who is one of our new graduates from the speaker training program. So, Linda. Woohoo! Thank you, Kathy. Welcome, Linda. We're so excited to have a new voice on the podcast this week. I am very happy to be here with a subject near and dear to my heart. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I mean, when, when looking at this subject and conquering the ego, I think it ties into so many things, not only in my life, but in others. And it seems to be you know, a really popular topic these days, particularly in this amongst the more spiritually minded and and those in the self-help world. Mm -hmm. So I thought that uh, a couple of the things that I wanted to touch on today, um, and I'm going to hand this over to you guys for your opinions, is I'm curious as to what exactly we're referring to when we speak of the ego. Oh, good one. So I thought that might be a good starting point, Mm -hmm. and then we can go for there, and then uh, we can talk about the importance of conquering the ego and what that looks like and how we do that and why it's important as we go along. That's amazing. Thank you for bringing this topic. Um, Yeah, what is the ego? We have another, um, she's not a new voice, you've heard her on the podcast before, but she is back, Cindy Laguerre. She is a, oh goodness, health and transformation coach, but she is a brain ninja. Cindy, I want to throw this to you. What, what is the ego? Well, <laughs> or what, how do you define the ego? My ego is kicking in right now going, oh my gosh, my voice sounds terrible. What are they going to think? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh no. Tis the season for grace. Right? Yeah. Uh, ego is, it's those limiting beliefs. It's that it's all about me. It's I, it's not we. It's I, it's not we. Yeah. Okay. It's all about me and what, yeah, what I believe, what I think. And I believe that the ego is, it's all those things that we were kind of shoved on us again, our programming from other people. It's not our own thoughts. It's our, it's our programming. Interesting. I would say for me and my experiences, and I think about the word ego, I think about my attachment to outcome. I think about um, sharing and being vulnerable and whether people are going to like me or dislike me, kind of for saying. And I also think that uh, oftentimes we spend a large part of our lives allowing our ego to dictate what it is that we do, who we connect with. And um, choices we make in our lives just in terms of career and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that stripping back the layers and releasing the ego is a really challenging, definitely challenging thing to do. But really is a great way for us to connect and move forward past our own expectations and those of others in society and that kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. Are you, what are your thoughts, Linda? What are my thoughts? <laughs> oh, I've got lots of them. <laughs> what is your ego? What does that? So for me, um, you know, I've been given a lot of thought to this, and I refer to my ego as the nasty roommate in my head uh-huh. that I can't evict. So, you know, if I look at that deeper, it's all those negative um, thoughts and belief systems. And, you know, I'm much like Cindy. I'm, you know, into the brain and and the programming that we receive in our childhood uh, that we take into our adulthood until we can actually have a catalyst to change how we think. And uh, so it's it's basically the social mask we wear, right? The one self-image, what we think of ourselves, the I versus that, that we, as, as Cindy was saying. An unhealthy ego, which I is based in fear, mm. and with all those emotions that come in, not good enough, and, and it brings up competition and envy and, and not enough. So, you know, when I talk about conquering the ego, I talk about conquering the unhealthy aspects and changing those unhealthy thoughts and transforming them to, to coming from a place of love and health so that I can be the best version of myself. I lo- I'm so intrigued already. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> So, um, you know, how we determine the exact nature of our particular ego is whether our thoughts and beliefs and behaviors are negative and self-limiting or, and whether they promote or rooted in fear, anxiety, you know, stinking thinking, right? Mm. And acceptance and, and our authenticity where we can truly value and love ourselves. And that's a really healthy place to come from because so many of the things that we do in life and where we're able to take ourselves in life is dictated by the thoughts and beliefs that we have, right? Ah, so. I love this. Spiritually speaking, the ego for me lives in the realm of the mind, right? So just to kind of separate this out from the realm of the soul, which mm-hmm. is a different layer of oneself. So we are multi-layered beings, as we know, and one of those layers is the mind. And I feel like it might be beneficial to kind of define what that is for our listeners. Like, what is the mind? Because we often, when we think about the mind, we think of like our brain and we imagine that the mind is like in our head or in our skull and we picture it in the same place that we picture the brain. How I like to define the mind and have for a long time now, and it's it has been picked up by scientists, so I consider myself like a huge um, scientist. <laughs> I recognize that, right? And maybe, maybe I've influenced somebody out there, I don't know. But I've been defining it for many years now as it, it's not a part, it's a process. And it's a process by which uh, we translate the external experiences And then whatever those external experiences are, we end up with messages in the mind. I actually draw it out for my clients as almost like a little, a wheel, almost like a little factory that exists sort of outside of the physical body that all of the messages we're receiving externally go through the mind. The mind then determines what we want that to mean. We create a belief or or something about that. And then that sends a message back to the body. So that might be, of course, through the brain. And then the body reacts in a certain way, shows up a certain way, behaves in a certain way as a result of what our mind is kind of dictating. So when we think of the ego, for me, the mind, intellect, and ego live in the same place, right? We process, over-intellectualize. We have the ego that lives in the realm of the mind as well. And we have essentially a choice to process that information in whatever way we see is beneficial. Humans never do anything that doesn't benefit us, right? Even if it's a negative behavior, we never really do anything that doesn't feel good at some level, somewhere, right? That it's feeding a need. So 
I, I hope that makes sense that we are feeding the body is being fed by the process of the mind from the ego beliefs and the ego as you said Linda earlier is our protection it's our it's our me myself and I and we need the ego or we wouldn't stop ourselves really from being in positions that are threatening or unsafe does that make sense absolutely yeah 100 percent yeah and what I'm asking is do I make any sense (laughs) (laughs) just in general am I am I sensible but yeah I I do love this conversation because I think there is a healthy way as you said to show up and to make a different set of choices about how we allow the mind and what happens in that process to affect um, how we behave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cindy, 100%. jump in here. <laughs> you're you're I'm nodding, nodding, you're nodding and going, yes, 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 I agree, I agree, I agree. And then I'm just getting this thing in my head where, and I'm not sure who said it, if edging got out, right? Uh, the ego is like edging got out, edging the goodness out. Mm. Yeah, so we're not acknowledging that we are part of the bigger picture um, we're more than our brain we're more than our body we're more than our mind we're the super conscious the universe actually expressing itself through a physical body so when you look at it like that and you add science and you add the woo-woo and it's it it makes sense to me right but the way that you put it was like oh I'm just not like yeah yeah we're they're, they're separate yeah. The brain, the mind, mm-hmm. and the superconscious. Yeah, you're right. And the ego yeah. only sees us in one layer. Right. And it I think... It wants to. Right. And I so for me, I don't see the ego as good. I don't think that there's... Just my opinion, I don't think there's a healthy ego. Mm-hmm. I think that we step out of that. And, like, the brain is the survival mechanism, right? And so the brain only looks for experiences. It draws back on what happened. It's this big filing cabinet... Right. If you're thinking something crappy is going to happen, if the person doesn't like me, the brain goes back and says, oh, yeah, here's all the things to support that. Right. Instead of going, is this true? Right. Instead of saying, oh, you know, the ego is saying, well, those people aren't going to like you if you do that. And then you have to say, now I'm stepping into how to get over the ego. (laughs) Cindy, can you just give me an example? And I know you have a history in um, bodybuilding. Right. Can you talk to me about a personal example, something just raw from your own life where your ego showed up and in maybe potentially not the best way? Thinking that I knew everything about how to train or how to diet Mm -hmm. and someone challenging me on my belief. And I thought that if I... If I didn't have the right answer or they didn't agree with me that I would be seen as someone that didn't know what they were talking about or that would make me look like an idiot or, you know, I wouldn't be as credible, all that stuff. But really what my ego did back then was keep me stuck in a place that was not healthy, right? So the ego was just, it didn't serve me well. Do you still... um kind of fight with that ego from time to time all the time yeah every day all the time so what do you do I mean, practically speaking because I know like I know how how smart you are about all of this right. and what you bring so how do you practically speaking ground that into action so when the ego does show up for you and you're having an unhealthy relationship with it or with the mind and you're fighting with the mind what do you do what would you coach your clients to do in that moment when you're like oh shit there it is Well, first of all, I just recognize how I feel, and that's my gauge, like what's going on in my guts and how am I feeling about it. And then a lot of time I just tell myself to shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) 
literally, because I'm like, oh, where is that going? I'm like, oh, that's my ego going away with, you know, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to, you know, that person can do whatever they want to do. I don't have to attach to it. I don't have to, you know, the outcome's not up to me. I'm still a cool person. I'm still awesome. I still know my shit. Like I ask myself, is anything that I'm thinking true? Yeah. That I'm not a smart person or these people aren't going to think that I know my shit because I have the wrong answer. Right. And I, 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 there's a lot of dialogue that goes on around that. Mm -hmm. And I've done a lot of work around it. Like looking at what are my limiting beliefs? Where did they come from? Mom, dad, you know, stories, all of the stories, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're all just stories. We make shit up as we go along. Mm -hmm. And all the shit that we're making up is not even our own most of the time. So, I love that. Yeah. yeah, and that's rooted in cognitive behavioral therapy as right. well. Um, Byron Katie does the work on this, which is beautiful. So um, just kind of added tips and tricks if you're kind of out there struggling with this particular piece. Um, I'll share what I call my sense method later on in the podcast, but I want to um, I want to I want to throw it back to Linda here because we're kind of we're getting a little vulnerable over here with Cindy. Um, Linda, tell me when you would say you were really in the biggest war with your ego. What did that time of your life look like or feel like? Um, you know, I, I think my whole life I've been in a war with my ego, um, you know, given the limited beliefs that I grew up with. My parents did the best they can, but, you know, I came up with some. And one was around um, body image. Okay. And I think that's, you know, something in, in this particular day and age with social media and, and these views of perfection and all the plastic surgery. And my mom was a beautiful woman, but, you know, while I got what is what's inside that counts, there was still always this message that, you know, about optically what you look like and, and that, and this perfectionism. Mm -hmm. So I grew up from a very young age, actually, before I was even a teenager, loathing parts of my physical self. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I look back, I think, wow, why did I loathe parts of my physical self? Those were my yeah. best years, right? right? You know, but it was so entrenched in me. And I became um, obsessed with the cellulite that I saw accumulating on my thighs, at, you know, at age 13 and, and that. And, uh, you know, but if we fast forward to today, my mom died of breast cancer mm -hmm. at the age of 56 back in, in 1995. Um, and I ended up with my own breast cancer diagnosis at the age of 42 back in 2009. And, you know, given what my mom had gone through, I was faced with what am I going to do here? And it came down to, you know, if I need to choose my life, I needed to have a double mastectomy. And at that age and single, it was terrifying. I mean, my breasts, I liked my breasts, right? You know, I had the problem with my legs, not my breasts. Um, so I chose to have a double mastectomy, but there was another layer to that. At that point in time, the surgeons, it was just a given that they would reconstruct me with breast implants. And I jumped at it, right? Like, oh my goodness, I can have something, I can wear clothes and, and show cleavage and, and there will be this normalcy mm -hmm. to it. And uh, it was anything but. And so that was in 2010. I ended up having eight surgeries and chemotherapy in um, a period of two years. I had my ovaries removed. I had a full hysterectomy. I lost my hair with the chemo. All those different things that can just make you feel so ugly. And so, you know, it took me to that depth. And then fast forward to 2016. And I was always a very high-functioning woman, mm -hmm. right? High-functioning woman. I had it on the ball. And uh, 
But by 2016, I was no longer able, I was so chronically fatigued, um, my cognitive was going, and it got to a point where I was no longer able to work. And in the summer of 2016, my 25-year career came to an end, mm. and I ended up on disability. And so a year later, uh, I found out that I had breast implants used in my surgery that were causing lymphoma in women. And that began my investigation into that. But also I found out that there were thousands of women worldwide that their breast implants were making them sick. Lymphoma aside, they were making them sick with what is referred to commonly as breast implant illness. And my symptoms went hand in hand with all the symptoms as I was learning about this. So I began my investigation and came to the conclusion that I needed to have them removed. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like it took me back to that day in 2010 when I was having my breast removed. But this time, this was a double mastectomy all right. over again. Right. That mm -hmm. I'm having, but... And another fight with the ego, I imagine, at this point. A having huge to, fight yeah. with the ego because now I'm faced with being flat, scarred, no nipples. I mean, not that the Franken boobs were anywhere near normal. They had no nipples and they were cold and hard. But, you know, once again, single, who's going to want me? How am I going to be desirable, right? Like, I'm, I'm an amputee. Like, how am I going to look at myself in the mirror, right? All these different things. But, um, and that was where I had to make a really hard decision and say, you know what? You need to love yourself enough to choose your life over your looks. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I did it. I have my breast implants removed in September of this year. Um, I'm scarred by no means perfect, no nipples, but you know, it's, it's interesting because I've done a lot of work and I'm not saying this isn't hard, but I can look at myself and I can, I, I'm okay. Like I look in the mirror and I'm okay with me. But when the thought of being in a relationship of a potential relationship, that's where my ego kicks in. I can look at myself, but I think is someone going to want me? Can they look at me? Because the first time I became intimate with someone, I did have a relationship when I went through the cancer after. Um, the first time I became in an intimate relationship, I warned them. I said, if we get intimate, you're not what you think you're going to see under there, you're not going to see under there. Because they're, they're not normal. They're cold, they're hard, no nipples, scarred. Oh, the whole thing. They're not normal. They're, they're not like, normal. Right. So right? That, that's What's the normal. normal? But that's uh, it, though, isn't yes. it, right? It's this story that we have around what is normal, what is conventional beauty, mm -hmm. what should a partner want in you in an mm -hmm. intimate relationship, what should that look like, how should that feel, and not to minimize the experience for you mm -hmm. of losing a part of yourself that mm -hmm. probably did play a, a large role in your intimate relationships as well. So, yeah. I mean, there's just so much at play here, and I thank you so much, Linda, for just showing up in such vulnerability and be able to share that story. I just, I, I know fully and truly that our listeners will resonate with that. Well, it's interesting because that man told me to keep my bra on oh. after he saw me for the first time. So really? um, yeah. He did. Oh, he told yeah. me to keep my bra on. I so. wish. I wish our listeners could see the faces and the hands of oh, the in the room right don't now. Don't let mm -hmm. the door hit you on the way out. <sighs> yeah, that's why I'm not with him now. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just validates everything for you, right? That yeah. you were afraid yeah. of because, yeah. Oh God, I have too uh, too much and not enough to say about that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. sorry for that experience for you. Yeah. I feel sorry for that dude. I, well, now I do. Like, wow. Because <laughs> he's got a lot of women that are kind of fun. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, wow, like, what's his messed up? Like, how big is that yeah. guy's ego, yeah. right? How big is his ego and how much has that fucked up his life because of that ego as well, right? Mm. Right. Yeah, brutal. 
Kathy, you talked on, actually, last time Cindy was here, you talked a lot about feeling like you've been on a diet your whole life, Mm -hmm. right? Was that, I mean, I, of course, that was a result of ego, I'm sure, but Mm -hmm. like, talk to me about that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't even know why, if I think back to probably, I want to say probably 16 or 17 being the first time going on a diet, maybe a bit younger. I recall someone influential in my life saying to me, there's a trend going on at the time. And I recall them saying to me, Oh, that's not for you. You don't have the body for that. And so they didn't actually say I was overweight, but they said I didn't have the body for that. So I was like, huh, interesting. And I don't think that I looked at it as much then as I do now, actually. It's probably more painful now thinking about it because I think that was one of the more pivotal pivotal moments in terms of going forward. So I recall going on a diet thereafter, not even so much in anger, but I think I was, I listened and I was like, oh, well, they must be right because a person who cares about me wouldn't say that. So I think I took that as kind of the gospel and we need to change because that's not for you. It's like, well, I want that to be for me because all my friends are wearing that. And so that sort of started it. And then, um, I don't know. I just think it was diet after diet because I always wanted to wear something different, look a different way. Like I even remember walking down the hallway in high school and like, I have a really flat bum. <laughs> I don't have those JLo butt cheeks. And I remember walking down the hallway actually being like aware of even like arching my back and sticking my butt out. I didn't want anyone to know how flat my butt was or I didn't want like the under butt cheek lines. I wanted it to be like this. Yes. Yeah. And so she's making the things, curvy hands. Yeah. The curvy hands. <laughs> I was never thinking like at the time I thought I was doing what I should be doing to whatever get attention and I'm guessing it was attention from boys because I can't think why else I'd be doing that but for whatever reason make myself feel better and so and I think that I kept following that thinking that if I could look a certain way um I would be happier if I could just do this I'd be happier if I could buy what she was buying I'd be happier so I think it was all about tying my happiness and who I was to what I looked like which is now I know completely ridiculous. Right. But that was that ego then, just feeling that I would get the love and the attention that I was seeking. And maybe it was because of, it was right around the time too my parents were splitting up or they had split up and I had new like, set people in my family. And so I think it was that seeking attention and not quite getting it from the right people. So, yeah. Mm. Well, that's interesting. So what the messages you're processing externally mm-hmm. are kind of being filtered through the process of the mind The ego is then making it mean what it wants it to mean in order to protect you from not being accepted and filters through to this behavior in your physical body and physical life, Mm -hmm. which is either dieting or sticking your butt out or, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's so, this is like the perfect example of how the ego works Mm -hmm. in the realm of the mind. Yeah. Right. It's is probably at its core. And I'm sure somebody out there is thinking of Freud and super egos and ants and everything that's protecting you from showing up in some sense of immorality. But the same concept is true, right? Is that you are trying to protect yourself from whatever that non-acceptance might look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I was also, I was fortunate in those years in that I, it was constantly on my mind and I always wanted to change, but I, it also, in my situation, I know isn't true of false people, it didn't stop me from showing up. Like I still was able to show up and go to things and, and be involved, which I know that isn't the case for lots of people. Lots of people that will, if their pants don't fit or look right that day, they may not leave the house that day. They may not leave the house for a week. So that's just that next level of the ego being involved in that too. And I think that's, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, 
And I think it shows up, I and mean, we're talking a lot about body image, which I think is just so, I mean, it just creeps into all of our lives, doesn't mm-hmm. it? But there's also the ego, I think, at play, something, Linda, you touched on, when you have a really high-functioning career for 25 years, and you're at the top of your game, and you're in your peak years, either mm-hmm. earning or intellectually, and you've got this community, and everybody sort of looks up to you, and you're revered for that identity, and then all of a sudden, um, through no fault of your own, uh, you are removed from or taken out of that identity. And how did that, from a professional standpoint, play to your ego? It or was against it, I guess. It was really tough because, um, you know, who am I now? Like, is am I going to be able to heal? Am I going to be able to get past this? And and in the past, even with the cancer experience, I was able to. Um, you know, come out victorious and, and carry on with life. And so as, you know, month to month, year to year past, it was like, wow, like, what, what do I do now? But so it was hard. I mean, the blessing in it was that I discovered a creativity in me that I never thought I had. So I was able to discover other aspects of myself and also bring it back to the part that I still have a skill set, even though I can't retain a lot of new information with my cognitive, I still have a real badass skill set that mm. I can help a lot of people you with. Sure do. And, you know, so it's about reinventing yourself and, and coming to terms. It really is about acceptance. Oh, yeah. um, that's, that's such a huge part of it, but that's kind of venturing into the, how to conquer it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all those negative beliefs, is, is I think I said, you know, in my speech was, you know, okay, I'm on disability and I've got these health problems and now look at the way I look and it's not conventional in terms of what society thinks and 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 I'm not even working and I'm on disability and who the hell's going to want me, right? I want me. I choose oh. me, right? And if I choose me, then so, but it's not to say, you know, as, as Cindy mentioned too, like it's, this is, it's a process. It's, it's three steps forward, two steps back. Mm. So I'm never fully there. I'm, I haven't reached that enlightened state where I'm fully self-accepting. I have my bad days. I have my downtimes. But it's just kind of recalibrating and going, okay, right? Is this serving me? This is a negative belief. As you said, Byron Katie, mm-hmm. is this true? Uh, can, we just, can we just revel in I choose me for a moment? Mm-hmm. Can we just like pause on those yeah, words? Because yeah. I had just like a physical reaction in the room when you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I choose me. That is, is, maybe that's as simple as it is to conquer the ego, Cindy. What's your thoughts on that? On conquering the I'm ego from the choosing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so just in the present with the, everybody's yeah. stuff. It's amazing, yeah. It's a never-ending. It's like, it's our, as long as we're on the planet, we're going to experience dealing with our ego. Like it's a never-ending journey, and it's one of those things that you always have to stay, for me anyways, my my process, like, I've always got to stay in check. Check mm. it, like, check it, check it. Where are you, How do you feel? What's going on? It, are, you know, are you perceiving things? Are they, is it true? Or is it just my bullshit that's coming up, right? My beliefs of what's normal. And then, I'm, you know, I have this saying pops, I'm like, well, the only normal I know is a setting on the dryer. Mm-hmm. There is no normal. <laughs> Every, you know, standing on the like there's no normal. It's and it's that thing. What's normal for an elephant is no, not normal for a fly or a spider or a fish. Like everybody's got their normal for them. So it's you know I always come back to, is it true? Mm-hmm. Is what I'm thinking true? Mm-hmm. Is it actually my belief? Did I make that shit up, or did my dad or my mom or my grandma or some 
person mm-hmm. who was projecting their shit onto me. And now I got this dumbass belief that's not serving me. And I got to pull myself back and go, okay, let me think about it. Nope, not true. Okay, what do I want to think about? Well, I'm going to choose me, motherfucker. Like, I don't know. That's what I think. Like, <laughs> I'm choosing me. I'm choosing what I want to believe. And this is what I want to believe. This, I, I need, I want this to serve me. And this is what, this is how I need to believe. So those old beliefs, acknowledge it. Yep. Okay. It's not serving me. It's not true. I'm not using it. I'm choosing me. I'm choosing mm-hmm. what I want. If that makes any sense. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And, yeah. and I promised I would circle back to this sense method. So I'll quickly just download that um, before we close as well. Uh, the sense method is S-E-N-S-E. And my first uh, workshop, my first workbook that I created many years ago was called Soul Sense. So that's where it came from. This is my ego having to overexplain things so you don't think I'm a crazy person. The sense method is... <laughs> we don't think. We don't we think. Know. We know. You're nuts. Um, the sense method. So S, what is the story? Always first. What is the story that we're telling ourselves? Period. Just pick the facts. What observationally, what is the story that you are carrying around? E, evaluate. Where did it come from? Where did I first learn this story from? Was it mom? Was it dad? Where did it come from? Why do I believe it? Right? We're going to go through that evaluation process, which is exactly what Cindy's talking about, right? N, ask yourself, close your eyes if you have to, is this serving me now? Or how is this serving me now? No, 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 no. Because, and I'm going to um, reiterate this, we don't do anything that doesn't serve us as human beings. That's part of how our ego drives our behavior and um, protects us in a sense, right? So ask yourself, how is it serving you? If it's serving you because uh, you needed a reason to be loved if you were in pain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I want you to really dig deep on that. How is this serving me now and is it serving me now? S is switch the story. How do we create a new story? Just dig deep on your creativity here. Byron Katie does this beautifully. She flips it right on its head, right? The exact opposite. Ask yourself, could the opposite potentially be true? Entirely true. Um, And E is exit that story or evolve. So we don't necessarily need to throw the entire story away, but it does need to either evolve or you choose to exit it and create a new set of beliefs and move forward. So that is, again, this is all based in cognitive behavioral therapy, choosing and witnessing our thoughts, knowing that we have the ability to challenge them and to decide whether or not we take that information and allow it to manifest in our physical lives and behaviors. Yeah. Kathy, mm-hmm. any final thoughts? Mm. It's such a big topic. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> oh I think Cindy, Cindy had a thought. She can jump in. Okay, Cindy, so. go for it. <laughs> just, even, just having, like, as soon like, as you oh. recognize that it's a story, you're out of the story. Because you're like, that's just a story. I'm that's out. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you know, then yeah. you can work it that way, right? Yeah. yeah. And recognizing, uh, yeah. Cindy, you talked to this, though, recognizing that you have a choice here. Yeah. That you... It, you can just continue to choose if it is serving you in some way, acknowledge at least that it's serving you to be in that story, right? right? If that's the story you're going to adopt and it's going to start to rule your behaviors and the way you show up in the world, at least acknowledge how it's serving you now. Go, uh, Linda, go ahead. I was just saying that brought a thought to mind. I cannot change or heal that which I don't acknowledge. 
but also that which I'm not aware of. So right. awareness is is really key there. Oh, love it. And that's so. why you make an awesome coach. That's why you guys are all amazing coaches because that's the key is seeing helping people. That's mm-hmm. why I have coaches and mentors as well to see your blind spots. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in it, you can't see it. You're in the box. People outside are looking in going, hey, come out here. <laughs> yeah. Get me out. What are you? Anna, yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Don't be not so here with us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that was awesome, ladies. I loved all of your information. I wish I could have shared more, but I was so stuck in what you guys were all saying. I was just in awe of all of you. So there we have today's episode. So thank you so much to all of our listeners, uh, connections, and thank you again to our sponsor, Nude Vodka Soda. If you are still with us and having hung in there till the end on this cast, you are officially connected. Head on over to unapologeticconnections.com to read more about us and put some names to faces. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us an honest review. Our agency stands for a lot of things, but most of all, real truth and real connection. So thank you for connecting with us. Until next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone.